Blog Talk Radio. Sunday afternoon, Sunday, along with the coach with the most coming out from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast because his favorite all-time dinner is pot roast. Coach Mike Jones. Before we jump into things with our guest, if you are looking for some professional wrestling, today you have NGW in Crawfordsville, Indiana, as well as Summit Pro Wrestling happening in Greenfield, Indiana. So if you have a local independent near you, get out there and support what they are doing. Without further ado, I want to welcome back to the show someone we have not had on for quite a while, but we're delighted to have him back. He is the leader of the AIWF affiliate group. Matt Classic, thank you so much for being back with us today. Oh, yes, sir. Glad to be back with you. I know it's been several years, so I'm glad to be back. Now, for the people that are new to the show here today, if they aren't unfamiliar with the AIWF, and hopefully they are not, can you explain what it is that you do with the AIWF? Sure. The AIWF, uh, we're the largest and oldest um, active uh, sanctioned body in pro wrestling today. We've been around since 1992. Uh, we have over 100 partner promotions in 36 countries currently active within our organization. For but, uh, what we uh, do fans that are is, uh, uh, wondering, we par- um, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say for fans wondering, very similar to the NWA in its original form where it was an affiliation group with a central world champion. Correct. Yeah, we have um, several belts that we uh, sanction. We have about 10 under the board of directors from the World Heavyweight title, the World Cruiserweight title. Um, we got World Tag titles. Uh, we have a title over in Europe, the AWF European title. We got the Australian national title down in Australia. Uh, we got the All-Asian title we're going to crown in 2024. Um, it's going to be in a tournament between Thailand, Singapore, and Japan. So, I mean, we got a lot of big stuff going on. The AIWF is a very, very large organization, like you said, covering multiple international wrestling promotions. Can you explain to us how a promotion comes to be part of the AIWF? What's the process for the promoters that are interested? Sure, that's pretty simple, I think. Um... Basically, uh, when a promotion applies, they talk to myself. Um, sometimes we get emails to the corporate email. 
Um, we vet them obviously because we want we don't want anybody to just like run one show and then they're done. Or some of them, some shows announce a show and never run at all. So we're careful about that. Um, we talk to people within the industry. Uh, we also don't want promotions on top of each other. So I try to keep them about 60 miles apart at least. Um, and then we just you know. If they meet our criteria, we'll go ahead and let them in. And there's no there's no fees or anything like that because we're all about making working relationships and branding and marketing. That's what the AWF is about. Obviously, being active since 1992, you've seen a lot of promotions come and go because of the nature of the wrestling business. Uh, there's been a lot of promotions over the years, not just the 100 and change currently active now. There's been a lot over the years that uh, promotions, for whatever reason, either dropped out of the affiliate or ceased operations, so forth, so on. There's been a lot of people in the industry over the years that have been part of the AIWF at one point of time or another whether currently or formerly, that's a lot of people you've oversaw. How difficult is it for the AIWF offices to maintain the quality that they want to have and maintain uh, what they look for in a promotion when there are so many changes within the industry, especially over that great of a time? I mean, it's great. That's a great question. I mean, you just you just have to monitor them. Um, but thankfully, with the internet, you can keep up with everybody. Um, communications light and fast. Like, you know, I can send you a message right now. You're all the way over there, and you can get back to me here in North Carolina instantaneously. And uh, that's a great advantage. And um, you can see videos on YouTube, Facebook, etc. Any platform you use, so you can keep up with things. And it's just about talking to people and. Hey, tell a wrestler is a real thing. Um, and sometimes you know you, you can believe it, and sometimes you can't. But, you know, i got plenty of people I trust in this business, thankfully. And um, usually that's how, you know, we sort it all out. And, yeah, there's a spreadsheet going around on Google. I think uh, last count it was 274 promotions have been part of the AWS since 2008. That's very impressive for sure. Now, in 1992 when the AIWF formed, the wrestling landscape was a lot different you still had a handful of surviving full-time wrestling territories that were on their way out of existence. You also had the early stages of independent wrestling being formed. It wasn't like it is today where there might be three or four independent promotions in a single town. Uh, Back then, there were far fewer promotions at the independent level and oftentimes wrestlers could make a full-time living with independent wrestling and not have to worry about having other sources of income. When you started the AIWF, what was the initial goal of the the affiliation leaders there? Were they looking at something that's different today as opposed to when they very first started this. All right. Well, first off, I want to clarify, I did not start the AWF, but Mr. Dean Puckett did in 1992. Um, We started our affiliate program in 2008. 
Um, originally, the AIWF was a regional promotion called the American Independent Wrestling Federation. It ran in Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee, and West Virginia for many years. And uh, our home base, fill them out area, they run every two weeks right now. So, But um, I think, like, when I started, I, I've been in the AIWF over 15 years now. So it's, um, my process was just to get things better and to, um, to make it better for guys in the network, to just make a better system. And, I mean, I think that's what I've done so far, and I'm, I'm proud of the AIWF for doing that. And we made it a lot easier for guys. Some guys, they've never got out there if it wasn't for us. And, I mean, we've had – think about it, you can look, I look at the WWE's roster right now, and I can name several guys like Andre Chase, um, Cedric Alexander. They, they were in the AIWF uh, many moons ago. Trevor Lee, who's Cameron Gates now – or Cameron Grimes, excuse me. Um, so they started out when they were younger within the AWF territory, just here in North Carolina. Now, over the years, the AIWF has also had a lot of coverage in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I remember seeing results in the 90s from the AIWF out of North Carolina in PWI, and it's maintained a good relationship. Even to this day, there's occasional pieces on AIWF affiliates and the AIWF world titles and so forth. How important historically has it been to be able to get that coverage in PWI? PWI is the gold standard of wrestling journalism, and it still is to this day. Um, It's good to have that in there, and, um, you know, I mean – but today, I mean, you have to get it on the Internet as well. So, I mean, I have a lot of good relationships with um, places like WrestleMap, with like WrestleNews.com, uh, Bill After at One Wrestling News. Um, he's, he's good friends with my partner. So, I mean, we just we got to get that out there because if nobody knows about you, you can do the best thing in the world, but nobody knows. So that, that's our goal is to make the world aware. Several years ago, I had the good fortune and honor of becoming the very first AIWF sanctioned referee. I was able to go to affiliates outside of my area and participate in some AIWF situations. Have there been any other referees officially sanctioned in the AIWF since that time? I don't think there has, honestly. Well, you know, I'm still available, so if you need someone for your world title matches, AIWF promoters, I'm still right here. Yeah, now, I, mean, I know you, you, you refereed some exciting matches out there. I, I have, indeed. I'll... The AIWF world title situation uh, has been in the news recently. There's been a new champion crowned in that division. Can you tell us the current AIWF world champion and what you're looking to see out of him in the near future? Yeah, well, the current champion is Golden Boy Greg Anthony. I mean, Greg's been around at least 15 years, maybe 20 years. I don't want to give his age away too bad like that, but – but Greg, he's he's a stand-up guy. He's a great competitor, known in the, the former uh, Mid America, Mid South region of the United States. Um, he he just recently defended it. 
in Illinois on uh, a cage match. He just was in a big cage match with the 400-pound Kowalski at Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling. And, I mean, he's competed um, in Chicago. He's competed in um, St. Louis. He's competed in Tennessee. And he's been to the Carolinas just in his little over 100 days as champion. Well, at this point, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is with us, and I know Coach has some questions as well, so I'm going to pass it right over to Coach. All right, hey, Coach. Good you... to hear from you, Coach. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Been your friend on Facebook for a long time. Nice to talk to you. Yes, it's been I know you a while. Yeah, so uh, anyway, what do you got coming up? Um, well, currently we're working on our big anniversary show for March. That's, that's one of the biggest things I'm working on personally right now. Uh, that's March 2nd and 3rd in Mount Airy, North Carolina. It'll be our 32nd anniversary weekend. So that, that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, like I said, we got a uh, big, big bouts every weekend, it seems like. Um, uh, tonight we got SIPW Television on the YouTube tonight. Uh, that's Herb Simmons and the boys out in Illinois. Um, we're working on crowning the women's champion between uh, Stormy and uh, Clara, but um, we got some bad news last night. Clara broke her foot, so we're going to have to delay that a little bit. Okay. And then and, and, uh, did you play sports in high school or growing up? Oh yeah, I played. Um, I played all the way through college. I played baseball and football all the way through college. And what college was it? Um, I played uh, at uh, Greensboro College, the local college here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Right on. Okay. And then, uh, have you wrestled in the past? I have wrestled in the past. I, I got trained by the wonderful uh, Chief Jay Eagle, is who I consider my trainer. Uh, he's ran in South Carolina for over 35 years. Uh, he's notable for training the one-man gang. Nice. Okay, cool. Okay, and then what's your self-defense background? I mean, self-defense, I got I got a yellow belt in karate, and I got a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, I mean, I think I can take care of myself if I need to. Okay, cool. And now this next segment is called Heroes. Tell the fans who your heroes were growing up. And that includes ordinary life, sports, music, and wrestling. I mean, well, the wrestling hero, he, he's the most famous wrestler from North Carolina ever, and that's Mr. Ric Flair, the nature boy. I mean, I think anybody from the South, that's their hero, that they followed wrestling in the 80s and 90s. And, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, I just enjoyed wrestling. And my father, my, he's passed away. He's been, passed away about 10 years now. Uh, he took me to all the sporting events, all the wrestling events, and just, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't love professional wrestling because he would take me every weekend. Right on. What about in uh, sports and music? Uh, music, I, I like I like Journey, uh, but uh, I don't like the new Journey. I only like the Steve Perry Journey. Okay, yeah. But uh, dude, the the new guy is holding his own. I, I give he, him that. He, 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 he's good. He's talented, but he's not Steve Perry. No, he's not. But he's got to give us something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes. All right. Any any heroes in sports? I mean, I think sports. I always enjoyed um, Bugsy Bogues. I'm, I'm from North Carolina, so. He was with the Charlotte Hornets for many years. He was like the shortest player ever in the NBA, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
And then now the next one is favorites. I'm sure Sign Guy knows, but tell the fans what your favorite coffee to drink is. Well, I don't drink coffee at all. Okay, well, yeah, I'm, all right. And then what's your favorite concert you've seen? Uh, my favorite concert I've seen, um, I got to think about that. That's a tough one. I've been to a lot of concerts. Um, honestly, I, I would say my favorite uh, so far have been, let me let me think. I went to, um, I went to like a, a festival. They had like everybody. They had like, like Smash Mouth who just died. They had uh, Sh- Sugar Ray, all of them. Okay, yeah. And then uh, your, in your life, your favorite sports teams? Um, like I said, I'm a big fan of the Hornets. Um, I like uh, Carolina. I don't like the Duke blue, so the only blue in Carolina is Carolina blue. So I'm a big uh, Tar Heels fan. Uh, now that's uh, Michael Jordan's team out there, right? Yeah, Michael Jordan was part of the Tar Heels. I mean, James Worthy, um, they've had so many great players over the years. Uh, what about, isn't he part ownership for Charlotte? Uh, he owned the Hornets, but he just sold them. That's how he's worth $3 billion now. He's on the top Forbes list. I just read an article today. Okay, all right. Now. And then how many different characters have you worked in wrestling? I mean, I've, I've worked everywhere in wrestling. That's the funny thing. I, I've did it all from wrestling to refereeing to I've ran events in six states. Um, obviously, I'm the executive director of the AIWF. I mean, I, I keep busy in this, this thing we call wrestling. Okay, sweet. And then, uh, okay, now this next segment is called Memorable Matches. In your life, what are some of the most memorable matches you've seen? And that includes on a VHS tape, internet, or live. I mean, I think the most memorable match I saw on tape, uh, WrestleMania three, a uh, Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat. I think I think that was one of the most memorable matches I ever saw. Uh, live, um, I remember watching in Charlotte. I watched um, DX versus the Spirit Squad. I believe it was a Vengeance. It was a pay per view. I watched them at the the new arena down there. Okay, sweet. Okay, nice. All right, and then in your life, what have been the most memorable matches you've been involved with? Uh, I mean, I've been in a lot of, but uh, my most recent was we had a cage match at the 31st anniversary, a War Games match, and uh, somebody got thrown through the cage and busted the cage door, and the cage door fell on me. So that's pretty damn memorable. Okay, yes, yes, okay. And then knocked the whole thing off the hinges. Now, tell the fan who your favorite, or who, who have been your favorite people to work? Now, check it out. That includes... In the ring as a wrestler, promotions to work with, promoters, all of the above. You know what I mean? Your favorite people to work with. I, I mean, like I said, I've been in the ADBF for 15 years. It's my home. So, I mean, and I've had a big hand in help building it and everything. So, I mean, anything I've done with the ADBF has just always been great for the most part. Okay. There's no uh, favorites out of all the promotions or... All the oh, no, now you're trying to get me in trouble. No, I can't say none of that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, let's cut that short. Okay, and then now, who are some of the toughest opponents out there? I mean, there's, there's some tough guys. I mean, I've, I've been around George South. He's still going at 67 years old. Uh, I know Chick Donovan. He, they say he's the oldest wrestler in the Guinness Book of World Records. He's, he's 76, I believe. Okay. 
And then uh, what are your suggestions for people wanting to get into the business? Don't. That's, that's, that's my suggestion. Don't. We get that. We get that. Now, come on. you got to give us something. Uh, but, no, seriously, just um, get yourself trained proper. Um, get your mind right and just get out there and do it. I mean, just, just get out there and do it. That's all you can do. And then give us some schools you can suggest for us. I mean, there's some great schools out there. I mean, uh, guys, I, I work with that have schools, include the Supreme Academy in Madison, Indiana, the, the A School, Bob Orton out in Illinois. Um, there's, 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 there's a lot of great schools out there, honestly. Just do your research. Okay, and then who are some of the best wrestlers you've been on shows with and worked with? I mean, uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, like, uh, Cedric Alexander, um, I've known him from his second match on. I mean, I knew the boy was going to be a star just because he's he's amazing and he had no fear. Um, I liked working with uh, Cole Carter, who, who's in AEW right now. Um, yeah, a lot of good guys. Uh, I like working with younger guys, honestly. Okay, and then uh, what about some up-and-coming rising stars people should keep their eye on around the world? I mean, some guys I think I think you should keep an eye on. Um, but there's a lot of good options. Uh but uh, one one I think is our former TV champion, Mr. Gaston LaRue, out of Cincinnati. He's just very entertaining and and insane. Um, there's just there's a lot of good guys out there. Okay, and then are you guys members of Kelly and you guys attend those? Can you repeat that? Uh, are you guys members of the Cauliflower Alley Club, and do you guys attend yeah. the yeah. reunion? Yes. We- yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a member, so is my partner, um, and uh, our partner Herb Simmons is like uh, he's one of the big membership directory people. Awesome. Okay, nice. And then, how do people get a hold of you, brother? Uh, just uh, you can either hit me up on my Facebook. Um, that's what I'm mostly on. You can email um, adabear20 at hotmail dot com. You can hit us up on our social medias, Adabear Wrestling. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Twitter's X now. I forget, but you know, same difference. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Hey, and then I'm sure Sign Guy's got some more, but before that, I want to wish you all the luck in the world, man, and I thank you so much for your time and all you do for wrestling. But I'm going to hand you over to the guy who's so fly, he's going to make you go sky high. Here you go with Sign Guy. Thank you, Coach. Well, Matt, one of the things you mentioned, of course, is the war games. There's a lot of stipulation matches out there in professional wrestling. We've seen dozens upon dozens of different types of matches, whether it's the independents or on the national level. As far as the AIWF is concerned, what has been the most successful stipulation match as far as being a draw for the organization? Uh, the, the, I can tell you that without a doubt, the toolbox match. I've never seen another promotion or company ever do it. The toolbox match is just like I said, there's a big toolbox like you'd have on the back of your pickup truck full of tools, and the guys would get stuff out of there and beat the hell out of each other. So you could have a guy hit another guy with a pair of pliers or a screwdriver, anything, basically. Anything, screwdrivers, hammers, uh, thumbtacks. They got everything in there, barbed wire. That is an interesting one. Now, does the AIWF 
do sanctionings for these types of matches, or is that up to the individual affiliate to sanction that? I mean, I mean everything that we do is sanctioned by us. So, I, mean, I guess technically we do, but um, sometimes for liability you can't claim credit because you you don't want to be liable when somebody is injured. And, and in some of these matches, boy, somebody's going to get hurt. Now, speaking of injury, uh, we all know that that is part of the business and everybody is going to have some type of injury at some point in time or another if they're in for very long. When you have so many affiliates and you have several uh, sanctioned titles that travel the world, how badly has injuries played a part as far as when the AIWF as an affiliate group is trying to promote something, be it a world title match or they're hyping a big show or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, injuries definitely happen. Um, an example here, uh, Mickey Fault, who's a local guy here from the Carolinas, he was a cruiserweight champion. He broke his ankle. I mean, we had to take the belt off, and we gave him, you know, 30 days to heal. And it, just, it wasn't going to heal. It was going to be several months off. So we had to, you know, had a decision match for that. Um, that's also our point in what we're dealing with in our women's title right now. Um, this Heidi Katrina, um, she had a severe shoulder injury over there in uh, England, and uh, she held the belt for over three years, but she, she was on the shelf. We gave her a couple months, and um, she, she graciously relinquished the title. And But then, like like I just told Coach Mike, uh, we're, supposed to, we're setting up a final between Clara and uh, Stormy Renee. And uh, last night, Clara just broke her ankle. I heard she's going to be out four to six weeks. Four to six weeks sounds even a little bit soon for a broken ankle, speaking from experience. But hopefully she will come back and be able to resume where she left it. So right now we're waiting on the doctors to tell us stuff. And, I mean, hopefully we can still put those two ladies together. But... You never know. We might have to decide another way to crown that title. And hopefully you'll use your only AIWF sanctioned referee to officiate that. Now, one of the other things about being in the wrestling business that can be a detriment is there's often politics involved in professional wrestling Promoter A may not like promoter B, but promoter C is trying to work with promoter A and promoter B, and things unravel for all three of them. You might see promoter A refuse to book wrestler D, and then wrestler D will start his own company and run against promoter A. Things of that nature go on all the time in pro wrestling. How hard is it as an affiliate group to maintain peace within the often politically turbulent business of pro wrestling? Well, yeah, I understand that. And, um, I mean, we have problems ourselves. But um, to me, I mean, the only problem you want to have and you want to fix should be you want to make money. And um, that's what I tell them. And, you know, somebody's got to be the boss. Somebody's got to be the chief, the dictator, whatever you want to call it. Over the years, have you ever run into the problem where a promoter will say, 
if they're in the AIWF, I'm pulling out of the AIWF or yeah, it's, it's any happened, happened a couple like times for sure. Yeah, it's happened for sure a couple times. Now, what's the protocol if you have one for that type of situation? Uh, it's bye. Have a nice life. That's a sound one, I think, right there. Yeah, I mean that's what you have to do because if you if you continue to do that, then you'll be in trouble. You'll you'll have, you'll constantly run that problem. And I've, I've had people come other... back after leaving. Trust me. Oh, that also rings true a lot in pro wrestling. The fence is getting mended after a while. Yeah. One of the other things that a lot of your affiliate groups will have to deal with in their own area is the wrestling commissions. Several states still have athletic commissions that oversee professional wrestling. Uh, Probably half of the country, maybe a little bit more, have commissions to some degree or another. Obviously, not all commissions are the same. Some of them only care if you send them the tax check every so often. Yeah, some I mean, of, a lot of uh, I've, I've some of them were there every single show with a representative to watch it. How yeah, much I, does the AIWF have to deal with the individual commissions? We we don't. That's that's the good thing. I mean, that's that's up to the local promoter to be in compliance with their state regulatory body if they have one. But I can tell you, I've been to states and have them. I mean, I didn't never have any problem. I've never had a problem. And like I said, over 15 years, I've ran in six different states, and out of those six states, um, two or three had commissions. One, I can give you an example, Pennsylvania. All they care about is that you have an event license and you have a doctor there. But they don't even stop by to check that you even have that. But, of course, we did have that. But, um, you know, and I've ran in Virginia, and Virginia, all they want is an event permit, turn the stuff in in advance, pound their money, and they leave you the hell alone. Those are some better examples of a commission letting uh, wrestling regulate itself a little bit. Uh, some of them more strict than that, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, um, I know Missouri is very strict. Kentucky, Kentucky strict. Um, Louisiana strict. Louisiana, you can only have two wrestling shows on a single night because they don't have enough commissioners, they say. Yes, I have heard that. Uh, they only allow one show per day because if they don't have a representative, they don't allow a show to run. Yeah, yeah, and that's really hurt Louisiana because um, we got some partners down there, and it's it's really hurt business and made it harder down there. For sure, you have to know when every other promotion's coming in and hoping a national company doesn't run in there when you're planning to run. Yeah, and I mean, my only personal experience with having to be licensed was in the state of South Carolina. And at the time, but the commissioner would be at a show, hey, just give me $25, I'll write that license. And that was how South Carolina went for many, many years. Now, up here in our neck of the woods, the Pacific Northwest, uh, we have had AIWF affiliates uh, previously. I don't know if you have one currently in Washington or Oregon, but Idaho is affiliated with the AIWF with Wrestle Club. Yeah, all right, boys, Idaho. Exactly, one of my home promotions for sure. I'll be back there later this month. In fact, 
when you look at the Pacific Northwest, it historically, when it was being run by Don Owens, was a member of the NWA affiliate group. How important has it been for the AIWF to have representation in a territory that, historically speaking, has supported the affiliation groups? Yeah, I mean, it's important on the Pacific Northwest. Um, we've got a lot of promotions out there, uh, from Portland to Seattle. Um, Chase Hansen still has the um, AWF Pacific Northwest Pure title, um, but I don't know what's going on. Uh, Timber Pro kind of dissolved on us. I heard, I heard, um, you know, got some splinter groups coming up, so I'm sure we'll latch on to one of those. Uh, yeah, Timber Pro, I believe, dissolved a few months ago, but uh, there are a couple of companies sprouting up in the general vicinity of where they were last ran. So yeah, I was I mean, keeping an eye on the situation. I mean, look, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the shoot on that, I mean, and it's nothing bad. Um, Tim Pro had five different owners, and, I mean, that's a problem. I mean, it's hard when you got five different owners, five different people putting money in, et cetera, et cetera, and that's, that's why, like I said, about two or three promotions are probably going to come out of it in the end. That looks to be the case. Well, that is the case. I'm telling you. <laughs> yep. Uh, when I, I, and, and I like all of them. I have no issues with anybody there. I think everybody did a tremendous job. But, I mean, that, that's what happens. Like, again, like I said, somebody has to be the chief. And in the IWF, I'm the executive director. I am the chief. I am the dictator. I think so you're I exactly the, right. I, I have to do the good, the bad, and the ugly, as I say. Yeah. I'm getting back to Wrestle Club there in Idaho. They are pretty much the only wrestling in Idaho as far as a consistently ran promotion. And uh, they do a great job there. They have great shows. They work with charities and uh, civic groups every single show to raise funds for the community. Yeah, How they do the well has, every year. Yes, they do. Every uh, January 31st. Um, yeah. How well has Wrestle Club been for you as far as an affiliate group? Have you seen a lot of growth out of them and a lot of improvements over the time that they've been part of the AIWF? Yeah, I mean, I think they've been very adaptive. I mean, I remember the circus tent they ran in during COVID because of, you know, all the restrictions. And, uh, I mean, they, they've been adaptive, and like I said, they've been successful integrating in their communities. I've had no problems with them whatsoever. They've been nothing but gracious and accommodating members of the AWF. And it's, it's been about 10 years now, I think, with them, at least eight. Somewhere around eight, I believe, yes. And, like I said, I will be back there later this month. Always enjoy going back to Wrestle Club. Hopefully the world champion will see his way over to Idaho at some point in time. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see some, some championship bouts out there in Idaho, and, I mean, I think the great fans of Idaho would enjoy it. Like I said, we got champions around the globe, Golden Boy Greg Anthony's in West Tennessee, and the national champions in Dallas, Texas, the American champion, Big Subfoot Talos down in Oklahoma. Uh, we got the, the women's champion is vacant at the moment, the television champion, he's at Nashville, Tennessee, the Flynn Hendricks. Um, and we got um, the deathmatch champion, Sean O'Reilly. He lives in Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming at the moment. Not that far from Idaho. Not terribly far. 
Maybe we'll have to bring in the Deathmatch champion. Yeah, he just won it out in Denver at the Slaves of the Deathmatch. Our great partners, uh, Primo's out there. Um, yeah, the I Am The Provider, I think, has the physical belt, though. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to have to order a match on that. That's a whole other story. But uh, I Am The Provider took the belt from Mr. O'Reilly, and, you know, they're at war, and I hear they got a match coming up here in the next couple weeks. Now, one of the things that has been sort of a hot-button topic in wrestling over the last several years is blood in pro wrestling just because of how medical science has learned more on blood-borne pathogens, how they're spread and so forth. A lot of people have looked at blood as something that maybe shouldn't be intentionally included on a wrestling show. Some promotions see nothing wrong with having blood in practically every match, and then there's some that see it as something that can be used sparingly under the right conditions with proper medical tests going into it and so forth and so on. Does the AIWF have any set guidelines as far as blood use in its affiliate groups, or is it up to the individual promoter? Uh, it's up to the promotion and the state regulations. I mean, sometimes blood cannot be helped. Be, I mean, this ain't ballet, guys. I mean, blood can't be helped sometimes. And then other times, yes, guys do it on purpose. But, I mean, hey, it, it's what it is. Um, and, but that's all to the local regulations and local promotions. Now, with the deathmatch champion, obviously they are going to be in some uh, matches that produce a lot of blood and a lot of chaos just because of the nature of deathmatch wrestling. You mentioned Primos and the Slave to the Death Match. That is a very big annual show. And with Deathmatch Wrestling, it also has its detractors and its admirers as well. How well received has the Deathmatch portion of the AIWF been received by not only the fans but also people within the organization? I mean, I mean, it has its detractors and its supporters, obviously, like anything does. But the AWF, I mean, we started on blood and guts. I hate to tell you that, but, I mean, we have barbed wire, they had tax. They, I mean, they beat the hell out of each other. Um, but, um, and this is the Carolinas. I mean, you go back to the 70s, 80s, I mean, there was bloody matches, Wahoo and Strap matches. I mean, Johnny Valentine. I mean, you, you had a lot. But, I mean, look, I mean. AWF, our point of view is, hey, we'll promote anything and everything and any style and everything. We're about variety, and we're about, you know, expanding on the business. And I think we do a very well job with it. So. Having a lot of international affiliates, uh, you mentioned Thailand and Japan earlier. Mm-hmm. There's affiliates all over the world. Do you personally do a lot of international traveling to visit what's going on around the world and look at what these promotions are doing, or is that strictly something where you'll uh, check social media and watch video and things like that? I mean, I I probably talk to people around 
the world. I probably talk to like people from at least ten different countries a week, probably. But um, no, I don't have to actually physically go over there. I can just I can check in, and and thankfully, um, most of them speak English. Um, because in, in in the foreign realm, um, they yeah, there's a lot of English speaking populace, and like you know, so we can communicate no problems. And uh, it's, it's tougher on the phone than in or on voice than typing it because thank you got Google Translate if they can't understand it and they can, tra- you can translate it back and forth. I have to do this with my Lucha Libre promotions all the time. Be on Google Translate from Spanish to English, English to Spanish. Uh, which speaking of, we got a big uh, title fight. It should be happening about right now in, in IWRG, which is probably the number three promotion in Mexico. They have television. Um, you got uh, Hellboy taking on Heidi Kokora for the AWF Latin American title on their TV taping today. What country would you say would be the most surprising for American and Canadian fans that uh, has an affiliate with the AIWF? Vietnam. Vietnam has a wonderful fan base. Um, they draw several thousand a show. I mean, called Vietnam Pro Wrestling. Um, they, they do a good job. They had a lot of local, and when I say local, Vietnamese celebrities, they just had a comedian wrestle a couple of months ago. Now, did the AIWF search out a promotion within Vietnam, or did the Vietnamese company come to you? Um. Uh, a little bit of both, I guess. Um, Rocky, the promoter out there, um, he's a wrestler. Um, he's been internationally to Japan, to China, to, to like Hong Kong, Korea. Uh, I think he's been to America, too, as well. Um, but that, we have mutual friends, and um, he started up Vietnam Pro Wrestling, and, bam, it's built up and it's been a success out there. Um, they were mentioned on the Chris Jericho podcast not too long ago. And with today's television climate at the national level, you have more wrestling now than probably at any other time as far as watching it on a national basis. You have WWE on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. You have AEW on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. You have Impact Wrestling on Thursday. You have women of wrestling either Saturday or Sunday in most major markets that has the CW and CBS affiliates. So there's a lot out there. Do you see rise and falls with the AIWF as far as when the rise and falls happen within the national companies? Or does it actually get better when the national companies are down? Or does it maintained sort of a steady flow regardless of what the national companies do? I mean, I think every company has an ebb and a flow. And, I mean, I think you have to you have to know your specific market. And it depends. What are, you, what are you, like, trying to get? Are you trying to get the most attendance to your local events? Are you trying to get the most, like, eyeballs on your product? Are you trying to sell the most merchandise? I mean, it, it just depends what, what your goals are within wrestling, within the confines of it. But, I mean, I think, yeah, it's a great time for wrestling. I mean, like you said, you're seeing it, you know, on national television. I mean, God, there's so many platforms on Roku, on the YouTube, on the Internet. You can watch as much wrestling as you conceivably want to at this point. I know at one point in time, 
Wrestle Club in Idaho had statewide television on one of the local broadcast channels. It was one of the uh, main network affiliates, so there were a lot of people watching Wrestle Club on television in Idaho at one point in time. What percentage of the promotions under the banner actually do traditional television, whether it's a cable channel or a broadcast-affiliated channel, uh, how many of your groups are doing that? Uh, I would say 10% probably have traditional television, which you have on, on you know, either through cable access or through local access to local networks. And then I would say another 50% probably have some kind of online show on, like, the YouTube or Roku or something like that. And then some shows don't put out anything. They just run their shows and advertise to the local market. For the shows that are strictly house shows per se that doesn't have a television presence, doesn't broadcast it out on streaming services or anything like that, do you see a similar attendance to those groups as you do with the groups with television, or do you see a difference in the attendance either way? I mean, I think it just depends on the market personally and how you market your product. With each market, like, okay, you could draw easily a couple thousand people in a big multi-million dollar city. Or not multi-million, multi-million person city compared to, like, a city of, like, maybe 10, 20, 30,000. But sometimes those little, little towns out there, they draw the biggest. That is true because they get the least amount of entertainment passing by usually. I can tell you a famous town that we've been to a few times, uh, War, West Virginia. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a rough little hillbilly town up in West Virginia. I think the population is like 300. Uh, we put on shows there before, had 700 people. So I, I don't know if they just didn't take the census right or where they came from. So. War definitely draws. I know some people who wrestle there, and they always – Enjoy it for sure. So I think it's just a really hot wrestling community. But I mean, I encourage everyone to have some kind of platform. For sure. With the AIWF, do you do much promoting as far as individual companies that are affiliated? Do you help? with flyering or advertising or anything like that, or does the AIWF as a corporate entity mainly focus just on advertising and promoting the AIWF? No, we definitely promote the local events. Obviously, we're not going into town and flyering because, um, like I said, we have promotions in countless states and countless countries, but um, we will promote it through our platforms like on Roku, like on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We will pr- promote their flyers and uh, their videos, and you know I'll promote them on my personal uh, as well. But um, you know I feel like you know you, you have to. And also, I'll give advice. I've, I've people ask me all the time how, how what's the best way to promote it. You know, but, and I tell them you have to research your market. Does your, is your market going to be more receptive to, to physical flyering? Or are they more technologically advanced on social media? I mean, personally, I like to do a mix of both, just so you can get everybody that you can get. But, I mean, you have to be intertwined with your community if you want fans of the show. So you have to go out, fly, or go 
make friends, uh, get all your local talent. And that's, that's why you can't book just talent from out of town to come in because you need locals there to get the word out. And when people come into the home base there in North Carolina, I'm sure the AIWF-affiliated wrestlers make trips there on a regular basis. Do you sit down with those talents when they're nearby and sort of get a gauge of how their promotions are doing, uh, where they're based, like the AIWF, say, on the West Coast, if a guy flies in, do you sit down with them and get a gauge from the talent's perspective on how things are going? Well, yeah, that's what happens at the anniversary show mostly. Uh, the anniversary show is when, you know, we also have our AWF convention of our promotions. So we sit down. Um, we just have like a little meeting, a little meet and greet, you know, eat some food, uh, you know, drink some coffee, drink some water. Occasionally drink some beers, just don't tell the building, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, we just, we just talk and see what's going on, see what we can do for the upcoming year and what's been going on. And uh, But, I mean, like I said, I talk to um, most of my affiliate promoters, I would say, on a weekly to monthly basis. Some more than that. Some talk to me a lot more than that. But, you know, I, I try to I try to at least catch in with people once a month to see, hey, what's going on in your town? Hey, what do you got going on? Who's your champions? Such and such. And when you have guys come in to the area, do you see a lot of wrestlers that maybe they work in a place that there is no AIWF affiliate and they come in and make the case for their promotion? They aren't necessarily the promoter themselves, but they're actively trying to get an AIWF promotion going in their general I mean, area so they can still take part? Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps if you can get support. And, you know, funny, let me tell you this conversation. I just had it actually on Friday. Um, I'm working on some guys that, that run a show, and um, they're they're on national TV. Um, the main guy's been on WrestleMania and Starcade, if that tells you anything. And um, one of my pals works for them, and I was like, he was like, hey, have you ever talked to such and such? I'm like, no, but, I mean, I, I know about the show, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, well, he wants to, to give you a call. I'm like, cool, cool. And then um, he gives me a call and talks to him. I'm like, wow, I'm talking to somebody that, you know, they've been, you know, they're doing well. They've been, you know, to the main roster. They've been, you know, in the big – and, you know, it, it'll probably work out. It's, it's not official right now. That's why I'm not going to say who it is because it's not official yet. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's how it happened. And I know one of our newest affiliates, um, I can tell you this, too. Um, it's uh, Salt Championship Wrestling, owned by Jason Knight. He was uh, Jason in ECW, uh, if people are familiar. And he also worked as a preliminary guy for the WBF for three or four years. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that's when I just approached him. I told him what we are about, and he said, yeah, that sounds great. And the funny part, um, his main event coming up for, for um, next month, his former AWF Deathmatch champion, Peter B. Beautiful, and former AWF Deathmatch champion, Madman Pondo, and him in a triple threat hardcore death match. I was like, well, damn. Perfect fit right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, one person that at one point in time was a very important part of the AIWF 
and he is also a Turnbuckle Turmoil Hall of Fame member. He was inducted this year. He very recently retired from professional wrestling, uh, had some health issues shortly after retirement. I'm speaking of Chief Atakula Kula. He was a big part of the AIWF around 10 years ago or so. How vital at that point in time was Chief Atakula Kula to the organization? Because I know he traveled all over the place on a monthly basis to spread the word of the AIWF. Yeah, I mean, the Chief, um, we, we had our differences, don't get me wrong, and I'll get into that a little bit in a minute. Um, but Chief, Chief, um, he was a very entertaining, he was one of a kind act, trust me. Um, and he, yeah, he would travel all over the world. He went to Puerto Rico. He went up and down the West Coast, up through the Midwest, through the South. And I mean, he, he defended his, when he was world champion. He defended that belt all over. He also was the North American champion before that. And um, you know, he, he did a good job in, in what he did. And he, he got us a lot of recognition. But then, uh, Chief wanted to run his own storylines, his own angles, and. You know, that didn't agree with the main AIWF branch, and um, well, he left. And he took, I think at the time, it was like 11 or 12 members with him. Uh, they formed their own organization, the UIWA, and that organization doesn't exist anymore. But um, me, and, me and she patched up after that, and um, I talked to him, actually, I believe last year, right for the anniversary, because I was trying to get him to come down. Because uh, he did tell me he was retiring. He was going to have a big retirement match in uh, Puerto Rico. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a good guy, good heart. Um, but, like I said, um, that's another just example of, you know, wrestling, things change very quickly. Absolutely they do in professional wrestling. But well, yeah, we are very down to the last few minutes of today's program, and I want to make sure you have ample time. If there's anything you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote absolutely anything you want, social media's upcoming shows, merchandising, your favorite barbershop, anything that you want, floor is yours. Yeah, um, definitely check us out on social media. Just search AWF Wrestling. Like I said, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, which is X now. We're on Instagram. Um, or you can check out the AWF title history at wrestling-titles.com. Honestly, you can Google AWF World anything, and you can see the whole history of all the AWF championships on there, and they do a wonderful job. Um, yeah, and uh, like I said, email at awf 20 at hotmail.com. Uh, we just had that email for, God, 20, I think 20 years now. So that's what we use for official communication. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, just, just come check out a show. Look at us online. You'll see, you know, probably at least 20 posters a week if, if that's in your town. Go check it out. Um, YouTube, YouTube AWF Wrestling, I mean. We're not we're not as hard to find as we used to be. So. Well, Mac Classic, thank you very very much for taking the time to be with us today. We enjoyed it as always, and let's not make it so long between appearances next time. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely try to come back sooner. I know it's been several years since I've been on this wonderful program, and I always enjoy it with Turnbuckle Turmoil. They're wonderful guys. And uh, like I said, I've known Coach Mike Jones for years. I just never talked to him in person. Um, but anyway, thank you guys, and I uh, hope you all have a wonderful night. Thank you. All right, thank you, brother. All right, Coach, I'm sure you got some stuff to plug and promote as we wind this up. 
Mary Dyson's Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most, Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army in the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews from celebrities all over the world. And then the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast every Saturday at noon Pacific. Just had a great show yesterday with Scotty Mack. And then next Saturday, the 14th at noon, I have five most wanted sexy John Casey. Then on the 21st, I have Azim Muhammad from Canada. And then on the 28th, I have Mike Rogers to promote his new book. So, yep, thank you guys so much for all your love and input and feedback. Appreciate it and all you guys do. Thank you. And Sangai, you too. All right. You can find me on all the social medias. You can find Chicken Bob on all the social medias. Chicken Bob still licking his wounds from yesterday's hard-fought matches he had. He was in two matches. He almost won them. So, Chicken Bob, a little tired, but he's still out there. He's still updating his gram. He's got a lot to go up there. Also, if you're trying to keep up with what we're doing here, we have some great shows lined up next Friday afternoon. We have the good son, Andrew Mickelson from Combat Pro Wrestling presents Theatrical Wrestling. A week from today, Sumite Wokla from the Arizona and Texas area. The 20th, we have Tom Simon, a longtime promoter, referee, ring announcer, jack of all trades out of Arkansas. 22nd, Stuart Kemp makes his way back to the show. He'll be coming off an Alaskan cruise. He is currently on the way to Alaska on a boat as we speak. 27th of this month, we have Mike Rogers, the aforementioned author of many great books, including newly released and Amazon's number one selling pro wrestling book on the day it came out, the Encyclopedia of Portland Wrestlers. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Everybody stay safe out there. Go support your local independent professional wrestling wherever it may be. And we will talk to you soon. Like this before. Never 